when it comes to our daily lives, it, it's not hard to be caught up in, in the day-to-day activities. Isn't that the truth? It's not hard for us to, to look around and, and, and get caught up by the cares of life. You know, because, I mean, we've all got to go to work. And so often we get absolutely consumed by work. Why? Because we've got bills to pay, don't we? And be beyond just our regular bills that we have to pay, uh, there's even debt that we've occurred somewhere along the line. Because we ended up buying a motorcycle that's about three clicks above the motorcycle that we should have bought. And a, a, a car that's like two clicks above the car that we should have bought. And now we're realizing we have to sell one of those and we're really going to miss that car. You know what I'm talking about? But ultimately, we, 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 we recognize that, that life is full of stuff that occupies our time. And, and life is full of stuff that, that, that we may even struggle with day in and day out. And, and when we walk out of those struggles, the truth is we like to escape into something, whatever that may be. You know, for you, it may be, um, it may be like a, a, a really good pizza. Maybe, maybe it's, it's binging on Netflix and a pizza. Um, maybe it's, you know, you've got a man cave, but if you're honest, it's actually just a PlayStation room um, or an Xbox room or something along those lines. Uh, but, but ultimately, we, you may even have a hobby. You know, you, you may really like to cycle. Personally, I believe God created engines for a reason. Um, but you may really like to cycle or, or you, I don't know, what are hobbies today? Collecting stamps, is that still a thing? I don't think so. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, last mail I sent, I pushed enter. Um, some of you got that. <laughs> but we escape into something and and and. Hopefully, family is not our escape because family should be one of our core values. Family should be something that, that, gets, that gets priority in our lives and isn't just this little moment of escape and then I go and carry on doing all the stuff of life. But if we're honest, in those moments where we've had a rough week and, and maybe just had a hard day at work and, and, and we, we go and we, we find that moment where we just go and escape, so often in those moments, if, if we're just being honest, it's actually quite tough to connect with God. For some of us in that moment, connecting with God actually feels a little more like work than, than, than a breath of fresh air, so to speak. And I believe that, that God didn't create us, folks, for, for spending time with Him to be a chore. I don't believe that God created you and me for, for, for that moment to, to be a heavy, to, to, to be this thing that, 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 that kind of feels more like a task than what it does, a desire. I believe that when God created you and when God created me, God created us for relationship, completely for relationship. So, We're entering into a new series today uh, called The Journey. And we'd like to take the next 40 days. We'd like to take the next 40 days. And, and, and if I can out myself now already, I have an agenda with this series. I really have an agenda with this series. And I hope that you'll connect with this agenda for this series. My agenda for this series is to ensure that you and to ensure that I, for absolutely madly in love with Jesus that's the goal that's the agenda for the next 40 days you may be sitting there going Ramon that should be every day yes it should be but how's about we start with today how's about we just start with today what we're talking about is is that we would not just add Jesus to an already busy life but that we would take Jesus and make him the center of our everyday life that he would be our start that he would be our finish and that ultimately jesus would become our every breath in between now as i say this the question came up for me what lengths did god go to 
What lens did God go to to have relationship with me? What lens did God go to to have relationship with you? If we had to stop and really consider, just think about that for a moment. What lens did God go to to have relationship with you? For a moment, let's just consider creation. Let's think about creation. So in Genesis 1, oh, my Bible's in my office. It's okay. In Genesis 1, no, it's cool, I remember it, thank you. In Genesis 1, the, the Bible tells us in Scripture, Genesis 1, 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Isn't that so? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And to summarize the story and not to dig, to, 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 to get into all the scripture because we'll be here for a really long time. But what, what God does from that point is he ends up separating light from dark. He separates up from down. He separates wet from dry. And then he, he populates that which is dry with vegetation so that we have food to eat and air to breathe. And he, he populates that which is dry with, with animals, all sorts of animals, uh, again, that we can eat. You are my hero. Thank you. <coughs> and as he, um, as he does all of these things, he, he, he populates the, the wet with, with fish and living organisms. And then he, he, he takes the sky and he populates it with birds. And it's all great. And he actually turns around and he says that it is good. And then the important day of creation arrives. The one that we find the most important. The sixth day arrives and God creates man. I'm grateful for the sixth day of creation. I don't know about you. Because of the sixth day of creation, we're here today. God creates man and and. And if, we, if we're honest, I can remember when I was a lot smaller, I thought, why didn't God create man first? Shouldn't we like be the most important part of it all? But now that I'm a little older and I understand a little better, I understand that God first created a little blue and green blob for us to live on. And he populated it with everything that we would need for life. For you and me to be able to live day in and day out. He first did all of that. He did everything in preparation for man to arrive. For you and for me to have relationship with him. And in Genesis 1 verse 27 it says, So God created human beings in his own image such a key line that in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them now what's important there is that if we consider the angels he creates angels but yet he doesn't create them in his image he creates the animals and yet he doesn't create them in his image. He creates everything that this earth and universe contains and yet it doesn't bear his image. The only thing that bears his image, folks, is you and me. Like if that's not significant, then I don't know what will be significant in our lives. We as human beings are image bearers of the Most High God. You see, angels could relate to each other. Animals could relate to each other. He made them, the, the animals, he made male and female. And, and, and they could relate to each other. But, but, but if we're honest, God had no one to really relate with him. So he creates man in his own image so that he could relate. So that he could have relationship. That is the whole purpose of your existence, of my existence. If we think about the words of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in, in, in John 17, Jesus prays for us. And in that moment, he says, Lord, so that they could be in us and we could be 
in them. If you've ever wondered what your purpose in life is, folks, that is it. That you can be found in God and that God can be found in you. That we can all be found in relationship. Then, in Genesis 2, in Genesis 2 verse 4, we see, we see this word that's used for the first time there. At the end of, the, of, of that verse, there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a phrase there called, it says, when the Lord God, when the Lord God, it says, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And that little word, Lord, if you go and look in your Bible, you'll see that that word, Lord, is all in capitals and in italics. It's like at a slant. The reason for that is, is that in the original language, it didn't say the Lord God. It actually used God's name, his personal name. Today, we say Yahweh. But that's also not his name. Because we had to put other stuff in there to be able to pronounce a name. If you go and look at the original name that God gave himself, <laughs> it's, I'm just going to spell it, Y-H-W-Y. It's up on the board there for you. Y-H-W-Y. That's his name. It's a personal name. That's important, and I'm going to get to why that's important. But in this moment, when, when, straight after this, in, in chapter 2, we see how God goes and he forms man. It's, it's amazing for me, folks. You know, when he created animals, he spoke animals into being. When he separated light from dark, he spoke it and it happened. Everything in creation, he spoke, and he spoke it into creation. But when it came to man, he didn't speak us into creation. He took his time. He stopped and he and and, and he, he took the dirt of the earth and he formed it and he sculpted it and he worked it and he he created man. And then once he'd he'd sculpted it and, and taken his time on, on creating this vessel. He then kneels down and, and, and he breathes his life into man. It's amazing for me. You know that we are the only creatures on earth that carry the breath of God. Hey, how personal, how intimate that today I stand here and I recognize that I carry the breath of the living God. So God goes and he, he breathes life into man. Now I want to come back to this name. Y-H-W-Y. Have you tried to pronounce it yet? <laughs> As you try and pronounce it, it's like, it's like, But as I'm trying to pronounce it, it sounds like stringing a couple of breaths together, doesn't it? It sounds like all I'm doing is just stringing a couple of breaths together. Consider his name. Consider the way he created man. Breathing his life into man. His breath. When I look at that and I consider how we made, I think to myself, it's insane. That... God has hardwired me that each time I breathe, I'm actually just saying his name. Have you thought about that? Each time I breathe, each time I'm breathing in and out, it's like I'm just saying the name of God over and over. I find it incredible. I really, really do. Sorry that I'm getting all emotional. It didn't go this way in, in when I was prepping. But God took his time with man. 
God took his time with man and he, 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 he inserted these little intimate things into the very fiber of our being. I love the way that, that the psalmist wrote it in, in Psalm 139 when he said, you made um, all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. How do you think God feels about you? What lens do you think he went to to have relationship with you? And as God breathes into man, God becomes the source of our lives. God becomes the source of my very life. God becomes the source of your very life. If you think about it, life starts with a breath. Baby comes out of the mother's womb, gets a smack on the bum, starts crying, right? Breath. And the day that we die, our breath ends. We breathe our last breath. And here's something that I've realized is that God doesn't just want to be a part of our big problems. And God doesn't just want to be a part of our big moments. God was there at the beginning. God will be there at the end. And God wants to be involved in your every breath in between. But as we know, God didn't create robots, did he? He didn't create you and me to just say, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, without giving it a thought, without just having an opinion, anything along those, those lines. No, God created us with free will. Sometimes I've really struggled with this thing of free will. I'm being honest. I've been like, Lord, why couldn't you just say to us, love you, and we love you, and we don't sin, and we don't get ourselves into trouble, but we just love you day in and day out. Why didn't you just wire us that way? And then I got married. And I realized that, imagine that was how my wife loved me. Imagine the way my wife loved me is that somewhere someone told her, you have to love this guy, you don't have a choice. You will love him, you will love him this way, you will love him in these ways. That's it. That is the way that you are going to be loved by your wife now, Ramon. She didn't have a choice. She didn't have a say. Whether she wanted to or not, it's happening. And I stop and I, I, I consider, I wouldn't want to be loved like that. I'm just being honest. I, I wouldn't want to be loved in a way where, where, where someone didn't have a choice. The fact that my wife chooses to love me, that's what makes the difference. Isn't that the truth? The fact that she chooses, the fact that she, she had what... What's that old saying? There are many fish in the sea. Off the topic, a friend of mine used to say, there are many fish in the sea, but not many chips. I still don't know what he meant by that, but I'm sure he, there was some deep theology to it. But there were many people for her to choose from. Isn't that a fact? But somehow she chose me. I stopped asking why. I just said, thank you. But the fact that she chose me and the fact that day in and day out she chooses me speaks far more into her love for me than if someone had somewhere along the line told her, you will love him. And here God goes and he says, I don't want you to love me because I've, I've hardwired you to just love me. No, I'm going to give you free will. I'm going to give you the choice. I'm going to give you the option to love me or not to love me. I'm giving you free will. And unfortunately, we know the story. Adam and Eve come along. And um, ultimately, 
to cut a very long story short, they put their appetites before their relationship with God. If we break it right down. Adam and Eve are in the garden, conversation between Eve and the serpent. Adam gets involved before we know it. They've eaten of the one tree that God said don't eat from. And we see what we call today the fall of man. And within the fall of man, there's this divide that, becomes, that comes between God and man. All because man put his appetite for something over his relationship with God. And because of this, we, we see the separation between God and man. We see today, we're still living in that, folks. We're still living in, 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 a, in a fallen world, a world where we still have to deal with sin day in and day out. No matter how holy you're looking in your seat right now, you also have to deal with sin every day. Isn't that the truth? And before we get angry with Adam and, 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 and feel like he really wrecked it for all of us, if we're honest, we still, to this day, are putting our appetites ahead of our relationship with God. Yeah, maybe it's physical food, but, but it's, it's very possibly a relationship. It's very possibly a, a, an addiction. It's very possibly a, a, um, a, a work uh, situation or our work, full stop. Uh, TV, caffeine. I saw a saying this week that said, uh, you can't make everyone happy. You're not coffee. Maybe that's true in your life. Maybe that's the appetite that, that you put before your relationship with God. We still prioritize our appetites ahead of our relationships. And as a result, we still live in this fallen world. We still have to deal with this, with a separation between God and man. And it was there, and, and, and sin separated man from the presence of God. And then in the Old Testament, we see these prophets coming through. And these prophets start telling us of, of a rescue plan that God has for this great divide, for, for, to restore relationship between God and man. They, they, start, they start foretelling of, of a plan that God has to fix this. And if we, if we look at the amount of prophecies that, that there were, there were over 300, 300, 300 prophecies of the coming of the Messiah, a Savior of the world. Now, an interesting stat for me, because we started bringing up, during preps, just started bringing up prophecies, prophecies, going through them, and, 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 and here's what we got to. There were over 300 prophecies of the coming Messiah. So there's a guy by the name of Peter Stoner. He's a, he's a scientist, and um, he went and used all his knowledge and, and, and put it all together, and he came up with a stat. He went and figured this thing out and he proved that the chances of one man fulfilling all 300 prophecies of the coming Savior was impossible. Was virtually impossible. He figured this out. And for me, this is just how incredible this whole story of God orchestrating everything for our sake is catch this the chances of one man fulfilling eight of these prophecies the chance of one man fulfilling eight of these prophecies comes down to one in that number the mathematical term for that is one to the ten of the power uh, sorry, of the 17th power. So in other words, one with 17 zeros. That's the chance of one man fulfilling eight of these prophecies. So let's double it. 
one man to fulfill 16 of these prophecies comes to one in that number and that is one to the 10 of the 45th power that's one with 45 zeros at the end that's the chances of one man fulfilling 16 of the prophecies foretold about the coming savior jesus fulfilled over 300 of them let me ask again how badly do you think god wants relationship with you what what lengths do you feel like god went to to have relationship with you let me put that into perspective your chance of winning a six digit uh, lottery is one in 13 million nine hundred and eighty three and eighty three thousand eight hundred and sixteen i can even say that number that is the chance of you winning a six number lottery compared to what we just read about one man just fulfilling 16 of the prophecies and here we 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 work through all these all these prophets foretelling of this coming messiah and then we reach the end of the old testament in the book of malachi and the end of the book of malachi malachi ends it off with again prophesying of how god's going to turn the hearts of of the sons to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the sons and again malachi speaking about the restoration of relationship and that's how the old testament ends and then it appears that for like 400 years there's just silence there's just nothing happening it's just quiet God appears to be silent, but I want to challenge you and say that God was very, very busy. How do I say that? Because what happened during that time was that God raised up a young Greek boy by the name of Alexander, who later on became a mighty conqueror called Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great went into all the known world and conquered nation after nation after nation after nation. And whenever he conquered a nation, he instilled Greek thinking. And most importantly, he instilled Greek language into that nation. So by the time Alexander was done, the the, the known world, the, the street language, so to speak, was Greek. And after Alexander, he raised up a bunch of Italians, the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire comes along and, and the Roman Empire starts building roads. Wherever they conquer, they're just building roads and building roads. They're building transport systems. They're building infrastructure. And this is all happening in these 400 years of silence. And then we get into the book of Matthew and, 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 and God starts speaking again. And in between those two, we see that God has actually been very busy doing something very incredible. If you want to get a message across, what do you need? Language in order to communicate it. And you need roads in order to get it there. And in those 400 years, God had both instilled into the face of the planet so that his good news could be spread across the world. So that when Jesus finally came, that's where we read where it says, and Jesus, when his time had fully come. Well, the time had fully come. The language was there. The roads were there. And here we start engaging in God's rescue plan for the world and that rescue plan had a name and his name is Jesus and you see when man prioritized his appetites ahead of his relationship with God sin entered into the world and sin's a very unpopular word these days. But the truth be told, when we talk about sin, another way of talking about sin is the word damage. 
Because that is exactly what sin does in your life, in my life. Sin causes damage. And whenever we prioritize our appetites ahead of our relationship with God, we cause damage to ourselves and we cause damage to others. So how did, how did God address this damage? Well, in the Old Testament, which really just means Old Covenant, God's Old Covenant between himself and, and, and his people, uh, he instituted sacrifice. Isn't that the truth? Instituted sacrifice. And, and the sacrifice for the sin of man was uh, a pure and spotless lamb would be slaughtered, and that blood of that lamb would cover the sons of man for that time period until they sinned again and then they'd have to come back and do another animal sacrifice. But then God decides that this rescue plan would be one sacrifice to take away all sin for all time. Not just cover it, but take away all sin for all time. I love the way that the, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews says it in Hebrews 10 verses 10 through 12. He says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once and for all. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again which can never take away sins. But our high priest, being Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then verse 14 says, For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Folks, are we the ones who are being made holy? And this only happens when we say yes to Jesus. This only happens when we say yes to relationship with Jesus. The old covenant needed a pure and spotless lamb. And the new covenant Jesus comes and he becomes that pure and spotless lamb. And he comes and he, he ultimately lives a life that we couldn't live. You see, the, 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 whoever died for us needed to live a life that was without blemish, that was without sin. Now you and I, as we sit here, let's be honest, we've all sinned. So we're all excluded from that equation. Jesus comes and he lives a life. He faces all the temptations that you faced. He faced all the temptations that I'll ever face. He faced them and he overcame them and he lived a spotless life. And therefore was the only one worthy to be able to come and stand in the gap for you and for me. The only one worthy to be able to take on that sin. The word tells us that Jesus became sin for us. He didn't just take it on him. He became sin for us. I can only imagine that day in Golgotha on the, on the, on the, called the hill of the, of the skull where Jesus is nailed between two thieves. And in that moment, this pure and spotless lamb, this man who's never known sin, who's never engaged with sin, who's never said yes to sin, he goes and he takes the world's filth upon himself. He becomes that filth for you and for me. He allows his creation to treat him in a way that no human being should ever be treated. He gets mocked, he gets spat on, he gets kicked, he gets his beard pulled out. He gets nails driven through his wrists and through his feet. Ultimately, he has a spear stuck into his side just to make sure that he's actually dead. And he allows all of this to happen. And while it's happening, all that he can think of is you. All that he can think of is me. 
Because in that moment, Jesus comes and he restores God's original intention. And what was that? Relationship with you and me. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died an apparent senseless death. But it wasn't senseless, it was needed. The book of Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, it says, But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sin. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And he did it all with you on his mind. But after this, there was the resurrection of Jesus that sealed everything. Because in that moment, we became partakers in his resurrection life. It is that life and life abundantly, that full life, the only fullness of life that we can ever find is found in the personage of Jesus. And that life, the life of Jesus, this life of Jesus is a blueprint for you and for me as to what does it really look like to have relationship with the Father? If I say that I've got relationship with God as my father, what does that look like? And I believe that the life of Jesus so beautifully portrayed in, in the Gospels, the, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that, that through the life of Jesus, we really get to see this blueprint of what does it mean to have a relationship with the father? Now, over the next 40 days, tomorrow, tomorrow, Monday, it's 40 days until Easter Friday. Tomorrow, 40 days till Easter Friday. Every year, we try and harness those 40 days. For those of you who've been here for a while, you'll know. We always try and, and use this time to just prepare ourselves for Easter weekend. But beyond just preparing ourselves for Easter weekend, we try and harness this time to prepare ourselves for a deeper life in Christ. And over the next 40 days, what we want to do is we want to journey with Jesus. We want to journey through the life of Jesus with Jesus. We want to just spend the next 40 days considering the fact that Jesus is the source of our lives. Considering that that moment when God breathed into us, He wasn't just the source of our breath, He was the source of our very lives. And that everything in life that we could ever want, ever need, is found in Christ. That Jesus is the source of our lives. We want to come and over the next 40 days, we want to recognize that he desires for you, he desires for me to put our relationships ahead of our appetites. And lastly, that the life of Jesus is the blueprint for you and for me to follow. And over the next 40 days, we want to go and we want to follow that blueprint. But I need to ask you right now, what appetites have you placed before your relationship with God? If we consider what, what moved us from that place where we, were, where we were walking in the cool of the day with God in the garden, as it spoke about Adam and God right in the book of Genesis, what separated us from that? It was from putting stuff before our relationship with God having these appetites that we've run to instead of running to God. Even though God's the source of our lives, yet we've run to other appetites to fill that gap, that need. Folks, what's, what's that appetite for you? I can't answer that for you. As you're sitting there, 
The question is, for you, what's that appetite? Maybe it is TV. Maybe the thing that separates you from God is binging on Netflix. I don't know. Maybe the thing that separates you from God is is a physical appetite, an actual, you know, when, when I get down, when I, when, when I have those moments, I just, like, I just pig out. I just go for it, man. Like, I blow my budget, and, and I enjoy it. Maybe, maybe it's not as drastic. Maybe it's, maybe the first thing in the morning that you do is, like, you're not even sure if there really is a God before like your second cup of coffee. Though it was also humorous. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Maybe, maybe for 40 days, instead of first going to that cup of coffee, you're recognizing that the first thing that I have to do is go and be with Jesus. Maybe that coffee sustains you throughout the day. Whenever you're hitting a dip, you need that cup of coffee. Maybe for the next 40 days, coffee isn't a part of your life. And maybe each time you're hitting that dip, that dip is a reminder that, hey, I need to come back to the source of my life. Is this starting to make sense? What are those appetites, folks? What are those things that we've put before our relationship with God? What are the things that maybe for the next 40 days we're going to say no to in order for us to really be able to journey with Jesus? In order for us to really dig in and get stuck into our relationship with Jesus? I know exactly what it is for my life. And I have a suspicion that you know exactly what it is for your life. Now I realize not everyone's going to jump on this and not everyone's going to go for it. But I believe that if, if we stop and recognize what did God do to have relationship with me? What did God do to have relationship with you? And we actually go and, and we allow that moment to break our hearts. Then we go, Lord, you went to, you spared no detail. You went to the craziest lengths to have relationship with me. I choose to go to the craziest lengths to have relationship with you. If that's you today, we've got a little booklet. It's just a prayer journal. It's nothing special. It helps you out with what is fasting. How do I go about fasting? Uh, yeah, how do I fast? Let me do this. There we go. Um, and then from there, we've got, we've essentially got 40 days worth of prayer journal where we just assist you on this walk as you journey with Jesus. If you want to get stuck in, maybe, maybe you passed this and you're good and, and, and you do it through you version or you just do it with your Bible. Fantastic. But for, for, for those of us who just need that little bit of assistance, we've got a little prayer journal here. It's 10 bucks. It's literally the, the cost of our printing. If 10 rand stops you from being able to have one of these, please come speak to me. Please don't let 10 rand be the difference between you embarking on a journey that will change your life. As for the rest of us, as we're sitting here, the worship team's welcome to come back. As we're sitting here, I believe that all of us, beyond a shadow of a doubt, know that there are things that we've put before our relationship with God. That there are things that if we actually put our relationship with God before these appetites, before these things, that our lives would actually look very different. 
very different. We're going to be doing a, a, a song right now. We did it earlier, song New Wine. And as the song plays, we've got our um, communion out here. We're going to do it differently this morning. Our ushers aren't going to come and serve you communion. This morning, instead of asking folks to put up their hands and stand and make commitments or whatever, I'm, I'm going to urge you that this morning, for you, if you want to seal this thing this morning, if you want to say, Lord, I recognize the lens that you went to for relationship with me. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did. And I choose relationship with you today, Lord. I use that free will that you gave me and I choose relationship with you. Like Dylan spoke of this morning, recognizing that your father's waiting there for you every time. Every time you go to meet him, your father's there for you. And Lord, I choose with my free will to put these things, whatever it may be, aside for 40 days. I'm going to give you that preference. I'm going to give you that priority. And my hope for you is that 40 days is a kickstart and not the end of it. But that the 40 days is just a kickstart to a far deeper life in Christ. Because we're willing to take 40 days and say, Lord, come and change my life in 40 days as I prioritize you in front of my appetites. Is that fair? Would you stand with me as we sing this song together? But as we're singing the song, if you mean business this morning, come forward, come and take part in communion and really just seal it with this moment that we remember that happened on the hill of Golgotha. Father God, as we just all stand as a congregation this morning, Lord. Lord, you so stirred my heart during the prep of all of this, Lord. You so stirred my heart to just see and recognize the extraordinary lengths that you went to to have relationship with us. Father God, I pray right now, Lord, that you will stir hearts and lives across this auditorium to recognize what lens you went to to have relationship with us. Father God, I pray that as folks do business with you lord that you will highlight that you will you will will immediately just bring to to remembrance lord those things that you see have become a preference in our lives those appetites that take preference over our relationship with you lord and father god that as folks recognize it lord Lord, that we can recognize that that is what's causing the damage between you and me, Lord. That's, the dam that's what's causing the damage between me and my fellow man. But Father God, that this morning, that, that we can choose to put these things aside. Lord, to prioritize you in our lives first and foremost. Lord, and that we can go to you for the source of our lives, for our source of our every breath, Father God. And Lord, that this morning we can come and seal it in the blood of Jesus, the pure and spotless Lamb who lived the life that we couldn't live and paid a debt that we couldn't pay. And we thank you for that this morning, Lord. If that's you in your own time as we're doing the song, will you come and just partake in communion? If you're still doing business with God, you're welcome to just continue doing that. We know, hurry.
you're heading out to an event or need to, need to get going, you're welcome to. Uh, please remember, if you'd like a prayer journal, you can get them at the Pit Stop Cafe. Uh, if you need to chat about, uh, if, if, if the 10 rand's the problem, come speak to me. Uh, we'll, we'll sort you out with one. Um, at the same time, if you'd like to start a discipleship journey, uh, we're kicking off after the service at 11 o'clock in the office uh, out those doors. Uh, I highly want to encourage you to, to come and start one of those. Um, beyond that, Lord, we just pray for your people. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, more than being a, an SOS genie, Lord, you want to be a loving Father, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that as we come and just delve into you, Lord, come and place our heads on your chest, Father God. Come and connect to your heartbeat for our lives, Lord. Come and draw from your breath for our every breath. Lord, that you come and change us from the inside out, Lord. Lord, as we prioritize you, as we put you first, Father God. Lord, as we lay our stuff down and just make you king. Lord, I thank you that you come and do a work in us that we could never begin to imagine, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you come and change our perceptions, Lord, that you give us new glasses with which we see this world, Lord. Father God, that you come and break our hearts for our neighbors, for our friends, for our co-workers, for our families. Lord, that you turn this world upside down with a group of men and women who many would look at it and say that they're not nothing special, but they can see that they had been with Jesus. We commit these lives into your hands right now. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful week, folks. <laughs>